Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in. It is Tuesday, 2.05. We're a little later than I wanted to start, but uh, some situations unfolded in my kitchen a few moments ago. It was my dog's fault, not mine. But we're here. It's Tuesday. We're live, and, man, the hits just keep on coming for the pro wrestling business. We got a ton to talk about, including the results of uh, Grand Slam, which SP3 was at this past Wednesday. Eddie Kingston getting his crowning moment, and then he revealed in an interview to Ad Free Shows that he's going to be sticking around in AEW for a while. By the way, that's not the only contract news we got this week. Uh, good and bad. Several WWE superstars that you know, maybe you even love a little bit, no longer with the company, Dolph Ziggler, Matt Riddle, Elias, Emma, Aaliyah, among the names, let go. We'll talk about what their futures may hold. And then, oh, yeah, there just happened to be the big announcement broken by ESPN this morning, SP3, which I think goes to show you how WWE views her and speaks volume to her star power that they went out and they announced Jade Cargill, multi-year deal. She is officially part of the WWE. She is perform- uh, 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 reporting to the Performance Center today to begin working out and getting ready for her debut whenever that may be for whatever brand that may be, and we can discuss that a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, man, when that came out around 8, 9 o'clock this morning and it was ESPN that broke it and WWE is plastering it out there and Triple H is – is touting her accomplishments and and you know just who she is as a performer i think that speaks volumes to what they have prepared for jade cargill and wwe yeah i think it's quite clear that they have uh, big things planned you know we've already heard the reports that they have main roster creative getting ready for her so they view her probably in that kind of top echelon of of performers that they have with the Becky Lynch's of the world, with the Charlotte Flairs, with the Bianca Belairs, with the Rhea Ripley's. They think that they that Jay Cargo is going to be another piece to put in that upper tier. And you could tell that by the way they have made this announcement and treated her and treated this signing. This is a huge thing for WWE because it's a percept it's also a big perception thing, not just you know a future talent that they can build around. They have plenty of future talent, but this is somebody that changes the perception of wrestling where a lot of the wave has gone from wwe to aew this is another kind of seismic shift where you have someone else to follow up from cody rhodes in 2022 you have jay cargill here in 2023 of that big piece from aew coming over to wwe any issue with them announcing it and ruining the surprise of her debut so to speak no, it was never going to be a surprise. So, sure. like, yeah, like, like it's already for the people that that know and why they put it out on social media. It was the biggest non-surprise out there. Like you saw when when it was someone like uh like a Mercedes Monet uh, coming into New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think New Japan Pro Wrestling probably could have got a hundred or so or maybe hundreds of more buys for Wrestle Kingdom 17 if they had just put it out there and made it a proper report that New Japan Pro Wrestling had made a deal with Mercedes Monet. When Mercedes Monet came out at Wrestle Kingdom, it was like, yeah, this is what we expected. This is what we heard. This is what we're going to do. And I feel like Jay Cargo would have been the same thing if she debuts at Survivor Series, debuts at a Royal Rumble, debuts at NXT No Mercy this weekend. It would have been like, oh, yeah, Jade's here. Yeah, we've been hearing about this. This is not a news. It's not like, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's not like CM Punk or anything like that. She hasn't been off TV or been gone from wrestling that long. This is not something that we've heard numerous reports about. WWE just putting it out in the front, and it puts her name out there for certain outlets that probably isn't hasn't been reporting that she was going to make this move. 
yeah, if it was completely and utterly unknown that her AEW contract was expiring or anything like that, yeah, I, I'd say keep it, you know, keep it quiet for the for the shock value. But and the business is business has changed. You've got more reporters now who are credible, who are well connected within the wrestling industry, who are going to to break these kind of deals. No different than the NBA or the MLB or NFL, which, by the way, we are brought to you today by our good friends over at Bet Online. The NFL back in full swing. The Bengals got a win last night, thank God. Uh, although I didn't get home until 1 a.m. after that Monday night football game, and then that alarm hit at 5 a.m. this morning, boy, and I am. Running on fumes and caffeine, but regardless, Bet Online is the place you need to go for all of your uh, sports betting needs. Get the latest information, odds, matchups, player injury news. It's all right there. BetOnline.ag is the website, or you can use your mobile device and sign up today. Just use our promo code Believe that is spelled B L A B L E A V. Get your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So we appreciate them. We would not be here without them right now. But business has changed, man. And I got to feel like the merger may have had something to do with this. This is, this is Jade Cargill is like the first big signing since the merger, since, you know, it, it, under this TKO era, this, this Endeavor era. This feels more like a big sports type announcement like they would do with a Shohei Otani in Major League Baseball, whatever, whatever kind of massive contract that he signs. Uh, this feels like something that, Cody Rhodes would have gotten if he was signing now as opposed to two years ago, which, by the way, we all knew Cody was coming when he showed up at WrestleMania. So even that wasn't a a surprise at that point. It would have been more of a surprise had somebody else shown up and it not been Cody Rhodes who was fighting Seth Rollins at WrestleMania uh, in, in Dallas at WrestleMania 38. So, um, yeah, man, this uh, this this just feels like a big deal the way that they broke it. And I, I to me, I expect them this to be standard practices moving forward. If they get somebody like a, like a Jade Cargill, or if there's another AE, whoever the, th the third AEW superstar is, whether it's like an MJF or a Ricky Starks or somebody like that, you know, or CM Punk, even for that matter, I expect this to be broken the same way. I don't expect CM Punk to be broken the same way. There's, there's certain people that you're going to, you're going to want to do the surprise with. They they'll do it afterwards, after he makes the surprise yeah. debut, that that'll be something. But I think this was a rare occasion. And honestly, Jay Cargo is is doing what anyone should do in her position. Because if Jay Cargo, uh, not a lot of people have been mentioning this, Jay Cargo did try out for WWE previously. And if WWE had signed her, they probably had already realized her flaws and ruled her out of the top position. She played this the right way. She she got the trial with WWE. They didn't sign her. So she goes to AEW, establishes herself as a star in the wrestling business. And now WWE look at her as more of a hot commodity and signed her for probably a couple of more zeros than they would have signed her previously because she has proven herself now. So this was the right thing for her, the, for AEW. This is a, a learning experience. And let me just get this out the way. <laughs> <laughs> the people on social media are just so much like there you do I'm have sure. to realize there is a difference between aew could have done more with jay cargill and aew fumbled or dropped the ball with jay cargill there are two different things there like there is a complete distinction and nine times out of ten the people that i'm seeing I'm seeing these say these things are not just, you know, the, the, the random wrestling fans that I click on their profile and they got a hundred or less followers. I expect them idiots to say some stuff like that. But when it's actual content creators or podcasters and I look at them and then I look at their content and nine times out of 10, they don't watch AEW. So shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. You don't know if they fumbled or dropped the ball. You don't watch it. You probably seen a clip. Like, shut up. We're we're not we're not even ten minutes into the show. We already get an epic MP3 ran. Um, uh, SP3 or MP3. That's how tired I am right now. I just called this. I just called this man basically a podcast file. Uh, but <laughs> regardless, I agree with you. 
I agree with you. There is a massive difference. And yes, they could have done more and they should have done more. And and maybe they could have done more and should have done more to keep her uh, in AEW because she is that big of a star. And I think, and Steven said it in the chat, uh, no, Steven, I need caffeine. I need more caffeine. All right. I think SP3 is fine. Uh, he, he's good. I'm the one going on three and a half hour sleep. All right. I need more caffeine. As a matter of fact, excuse me. This episode fueled by Diet Dr. Pepper. And no, they're not a sponsor. I'm just a big fan. Uh, regardless, like Jade Cargill was a huge star and an attraction for AEW. Don't forget the fact that like when they were doing a lot of their promotional material, like when when TBS was like running out there like ad stuff on like their big shows like jade cargill was front and center as the big promotional piece for aew i remember talking to athena right like not long after athena signed with aew when she was in wwe jade cargill was a reason why she started watching aew is because she would flip to the tv she would see jade cargill on television and be like i need to watch her and that's exactly what she is. She has that physical aura. And I got to agree with Bully Ray, what he said on Busted Open today. She is an attraction much like China was, where you just don't see women, especially, who just command your attention based off of their look. China was like that. Jade Cargill is like that. And WWE, with the fantastic production and marketing department that they have, knowing that they have put so much in Jade Cargill already with how they have introduced her into the company with this signing, they she's going to be a priority for them. Whether she starts on the main roster, whether she starts in NXT, and we can have arguments about which is more successful, they are going to have plans for her, and she is going to be a priority, much like the Bloodline storyline and Roman Reigns and the Becky Lynch's of the world. They're going to make sure that she gets her time and what they have for her is important. And yeah, man, like I think this is going to be big for WWE. And I do think this is a big loss for AEW as well. I can't necessarily say it's a loss for AEW. Cause like if you're if you're not if you're gonna book the woman the way you've been booking them, is it really a loss if she would have yeah, stayed for wrong. another few years? Like, it's like, no, it's not a real big loss because they don't value that. They it, seem it's to, a, okay, to not it, value. That's not that's not what they are really valuing of things that they are losing. That, that's why I put out the question on our women's wrestling podcast over on True Hill Heat, Seven Face and Heels. Is Jay Cargill the AEW's biggest loss ever? And I thought about the answer and I was like, no, she's not. It's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rose is a bigger loss to, to AEW than than Jade Cargill. CM I, I Punk, CM I, Punk versus Jade Cargill, we can have that debate. That's more of a closer debate. But I would say Cody Rhodes, CM Punk, those are the people that they valued more. They could have done more with Jade Cargill, but right. they seem to have a ceiling on what they would do with women to begin with. So it's not really a big loss for them. And even now, and even like there was always a ceiling for Jay Cargo to begin with because of her. She's not that great in the ring. She's not that. That's that's the number one thing that you need to have in AEW, especially is being great in the ring. And they have great workers in the ring that are that can present themselves as stars, as you've seen with Tony Storm. You've seen it with Thunder Rosa. You've seen it with Bert Baker. Like they have women that can do that. So I don't think this is going to be as big of a loss as some people that want to big up Jay Cargo. And I get big it up Jay Cargo because I'm going to be the number one bigging up Jay Cargo. I'm all for that. But we need to really look at like it would it's 100 percent different if Jay Cargo leaves WWE to go back to AEW than Jay Cargo leaving AEW to go to WWE. This seems like the most natural transition. And this seems like a performer that was ready made to be in WWE and that she was a round peg in a square hole named AEW. That's yeah. what this seems like. It's two totally different things to me. Yeah, so maybe not a loss is the way to look at it, but a um, missed just, opportunity, learning yeah, missed opportunity. Those like, are the it, two best things you could say. Yeah, th th there was a potential, a resource that was untapped for for AEW. I think is the best way to look at it. And they basically just lost the resource. They they had it available to them. They no longer have it available to them. 
But by the way, to your point, SP3, and I think this is important for the for the tribalistic people out there, right? This is why AEW's existence is so important to the business, not only for the wrestlers, but also for WWE. Because think about this, AEW, their existence and the time that Cody Rhodes and Jade Cargill spent in those companies developed and gave them bigger stars to present on their own product. They had a chance to sign Jade Cargill and didn't, which tells you maybe how green or maybe how just how frankly awful she might have been in the ring at the time of that audition if they look at somebody like that because she doesn't look that much different Maybe maybe a bit more tone now, but she didn't look that much different from her photos in her WWE tryout than she does today. They saw this physical specimen during her WWE tryout and said, nah, we're good. But she developed, she worked, she was green. She was very green when she started in AEW, but she has gotten so much better. Um, and now the existence of AEW has presented WWE with a fresh new star that they can polish up and shine and get ready to go and go through the WWE promotion machine and she's going to be great and they're going to be better off for it. Same with Cody Rhodes. They got a bigger star and a top baby face out of it. And those two individuals got more money. They were able to get more opportunities. This is why AEW existing is so damn important. And it's also important SP3, which before I move on to that, we got a, a couple of comments on this. Uh, Frantic World saying is Jade with WWE for five years or more. They said a multi-year deal. To me, I'm reading three or five because that tends to be what the contracts have been um, recently when they have signed people, at least before the Endeavor deal. So maybe things have changed possibly uh, on that. Uh, somebody asked, wonder if Jade will be a face or a heel, uh, SP3. Fair question. Um, I think uh, I heal. It's an, yeah, I, I, I think it's a no-brainer that she comes in as a heel to begin with. I think that if you establish her character, her character is naturally the cocky, the cocky, overconfident, powerful woman. Like that's her, that's her character. That's a heel character. Eventually it will get over and the fans will enjoy her being like that. And she could become a face, but she always, I think no matter what company she goes to, I think she starts off as a heel. And if her social media activity this morning is any indication, yeah, she's going to be a heel right off the bat for, for sure. Um, I still hope that they go the route that you laid out. You talked me into uh, last week where I, I get no mercy this Saturday. We'll talk about this matchup coming up here a little bit, but no mercy this Saturday. Uh, if Becky Lynch retains Jade Cargill right there face to face. Let's go. Let's move on. But the other reason why it's great that AEW exists, SP3, is because it's going to give an opportunity for several WWE superstars who are now former uh, WWE superstars, AEW and Impact and New Japan, and the fact that there are so many options out there because WWE, after uh, the Endeavor deal and after they announced uh, a new uh, streaming, or not streaming, but a new TV rights contract for SmackDown, which we'll get to as well, uh, it was cut down day. Uh, late last week, I believe mean, it was either Thursday or it was Friday. I can't remember. Uh, at this point, it's been a long, uh, 48, Thursday. 72 hours. For it was a Thursday. Okay. Uh, it's been a blur bouncing from one job to the other for me at this point, but some big names, uh, that, you know, that, you know, Dolph Ziggler, Matt Riddle, Elias, Emma, uh, Mustafa Ali, which was, uh, the first name that was announced. He announced it himself, which was very, very surprising in the fact that, this man was supposed to have a title match this Saturday. And they you know, WWE is wild. They used to announce their releases on their website. Yeah. Then it became a period where Sean Rossett was doing it for them. Now they done tell you, they don't call people up and be like, yeah, you're fired. You're let go from the company. Can you tweet that for me? Thanks. <laughs> I felt so bad for Emma. Who like an Because they also announced that Elimination Chamber was going into, uh, was going to be in Australia. On Thursday. So it was like 3 a.m. They sent out this press release that Elimination Chamber was going to be in Australia. Then at like 8 o'clock in the morning, it broke that the, the street, this TV rights deal, SmackDown was going to USA. And then 9 o'clock, they started firing people. And like Emma tweets out at like 8 a.m. Oh, I can't. This is a dream come true. I can't wait to go back to back home and be there with WWE. And then like an hour later, she tweets up. Oh, oop, never mind. I've been terminated. I'm no longer with WWE. And it's like, what the 
anyway, but r- regardless, uh, it, and honestly, it's a bad look when WWE like announces a $1.4 billion TV rights deal. They get this big ass merger with TKO and, you know, with, with Endeavor and UFC and everything. And then they're immediately cutting talent. But I mean, SP3, if you look at a lot of these outside of Matt Riddle, how many of these people were getting TV time? None of them. A lot of them hadn't wrestled on television in months at this point. You look at a name like Dolph Ziggler. The guy's been with the company for 18 years. He's got like the second most matches of anybody in the company outside of Kane in, in WWE history. Um, Five-tool player. You could, you could put him in the main event, a Monday Night Raw. He's talked about this before. He could be on the opening match. He could be in the Intercontinental title match. He could be in the main event match if somebody gets hurt and nobody would bat an eye because of this man's resume and what we know that he can do. There's value in a guy like that, but they let him go. Elias, an extremely versatile and entertaining performer, a guy who's shown that he can get over. They let him go. Nothing for him. Mason Monsoor, two very talented guys who got stuck with a shit gimmick and we're in the process of actually like getting people on board with it. Maybe getting over is a is a strong term, but there were people who were enjoying what they were doing, and immediately they get pulled from television. Like this, the second they start building any kind of momentum, and they lose Maxine, and they just they just put her. It looked like it was going to be a feud between Maximum Male Models and the Alpha Academy over Maxine, and they were like, nah bump that we're just gonna we're just gonna take maximum male models off television and put maxine in the alpha academy and we're done like there's so many talented people matt riddle's the outlier here matt riddle's the outlier in which it was like this dude just finally burned one too many bridges like extremely great in the ring entertaining depending on you know what your cup of tea is some people found him annoying but the guy just had so many off the outside of the ring issues it just became too much of a headache for for WWE to keep him around anymore. But um, you never like to see anybody lose their job. But, like, you could look at a lot of these people and go, honestly, they might be better off in a couple of months if they can land in an AEW, if they can land in an Impact Wrestling, or maybe just even take indie bookings. Because I feel like a lot of these people, they just want to wrestle too. And now they're going to get the opportunity to do that. At least that's what I'm I, I'm choosing to be optimistic about this because I I hate these mass firing days so much. I mean, no one, no one likes the mass firing. No one likes to see anyone lose their job. There are people that are on this list that, yeah, they weren't being used. So it makes sense why WWE wouldn't think they're getting any return on their investment. Um, as far as this comment here, no, AEW does not need to get multiple people, especially Aaliyah. No, no, <laughs> no. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. We already got enough full spots. Like, I need y'all to think a little bit before y'all say <laughs> some things. Like, think about AEW's roster and then think about adding these people. And would they actually be used properly? No. Shelton Benjamin? Yeah. I think he's a guy you could put over in Ring of Honor. Ali, uh, Ali, he's someone that you would put in dynamite uh, collision. He's immediate. Dolph Ziggler, he automatically has his foot in the door. He's the one guy that I think went out WWE's door and now is knocking on AEW's door already. Tennille Dashwood, I can see her anywhere. I think the best place would be Impact Wrestling, though, because I'm sorry, unless you're a major star going over to AEW with that woman's division, nah, nah, no, sir, sorry, no. Let's not do that. Let's have a go back to Impact Wrestling because they used her properly. First, the comment before that, uh, noob Mariah Main from Stardom goes to WWE. Do you want her to be used properly? They got 57 million blonde women that can wrestle. What is wrong with y'all? Do y'all think before you suggest these people ruin their career and go <laughs> to a company that they're not going to be used well? <sighs> As far oh. as the WWE uh, mass releases, uh, I mean, this was going to come. These guys yeah. should have, like, knew it was coming. And if they weren't being used on TV, that it's a possibility they were going to get that call. I haven't heard too many people saying they were shocked other than really kind of Emma. Because I feel like Emma had just, she had just gone back into her regular role. Like, she was not being used the last time she was in WWE. She comes back. 
gets used once, gets used sparingly, and then not used at all. She so I think on her first night. Yeah, I think I think she got her- she got really comfortable and she was back in her comfortability making a nice little check, and she didn't think that she was gonna get that call. So when that call, I think Riddick Moss was probably more prepared prepared for that call than Emma was from what how it seen with those with the tweets. But I'm I know that all these people, this is not a big loss, it's not a big setback. Hopefully, a lot of these people have their money saved. They're already millionaires. So I'm not going to feel that bad about them. I'm not going to cry for them or anything like that. And I know that the current landscape of wrestling is better than it's ever been. So all these people can bounce back on their feet and they can find a prominent position and can have successful runs. There's been so many success stories in the last three years with all these WWE mass releases, whether it's someone like a Matt Cardona who had a cup of coffee in AEW, but most of his success comes from GCW and working the independence, becoming NWA world heavyweight champion. Someone like Steph Deland who doesn't get a lot of talk, a lot of a lot of plug but she deserves yeah. some because she has completely kind of reformed her career she's on the independent scene has a great act with Matt Cardona she's getting more opportunities in different places over in Japan she's got opportunities in ring impact wrestling ring of honor so uh, subculture another one that didn't go to I'm naming people that uh, these acts that have gotten success without even going to AEW that's another thing that I think that people need to point out that not everybody of these 25 talents need to go to AEW to find success. Subculture have gone across the independent scene in the UK. They've been the top tag team, one of the top tag teams over there, winning Rev Pro undisputed tag team titles. They won the Impact World Tag Team titles. I actually interviewed them yesterday and talked about all their success with them because it's just been a little over a year since WWE did a match cutting for the NXT UK. So this is not yeah. something any new for the company. It's not something that should be a big surprise because they did do the merger and all these people are going to bounce back on their feet. Matt Riddle, yes, is the outlier, but I also want to say Matt Riddle is the person that 1,000% I know he did not have his last WWE match. He's going to get re-signed, folks. Like, he's the one He's the one out of the 25 where I'm just like, oh, okay, WWE released him so they can, you know, buy some time, let this whole Port Authority thing cool over, and then they're going to re-sign him next year. Yeah, next, probably. 20, I, I, I will put it right here, September 26, 2023, on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. In a year, we will be talking about Matt Riddle has returned to WWE. Yeah, and he'll probably attack Randy Orton or some, some bullshit like that, when he, which apparently he's working out again. He was spotted at the Performance Center, so hopefully we're uh, we're getting closer to, to Randy Orton coming back. Uh, so you know that, that's good. Matt Riddle's gonna go. He's gonna go to UFC. He's already getting some offers. He'll he'll, he'll wrestles a, a few UFC fights or well maybe not UFC because they're under Endeavor, so they're the same company now, right? Yeah. But like yeah, he'll probably, get to, he'll do some MMA bouts or MMA bouts or something like that. He'll do the indie scene. He'll do a couple of indies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he'll bounce around. He'll get his name still. He'll keep his name out there. Uh, a guy like Mustafa Ali is somebody that I think could take that could really do the Matt Cardona route where he is just, you know, goes out there and make and uses his talent and his, I mean, the guy can cut a promo. He can come up with great characters. Like he's, he's a believable guy and he's a great worker. He's a guy who can go out there and fit in any kind of role you need him to. I think he's a guy who's going to go out there and find his own path on the independent scene and take that kind of that Matt Cardona route and and make himself an even bigger star than he was when he was in it was in uh wwe uh elias i i don't know that guy could end up on fox news tomorrow for all for all <laughs> i know but i mean the guy is talented he's he's a good character actor uh we'll see what this goes is there. probably the most um i will say the most impact uh wwe releases i've ever seen <laughs> there's multiple people on this list where i'm like they would do great in impact, impact. elias emma Matt Cat Moss, Mason Monsoor. Like, there's a lot of people on this list where I'm just like, yeah, you go to Impact Wrestling, you could be, you could be successful. Hard to kill 2024. Watch out. All the mass releases debut at that point. Dolph Ziggler is the one guy I think is you look, the, the AEW graphics already been made. Like the AEW mm-hmm. graphic has already been made. I think that's the guy who's going to go there. And honestly, I would not be surprised. And I brought this up on the uh, Fightful uh, Collision Post show. I would not be surprised. If CJ Perry's first clients are the Namath brothers, if those are end up being her first clients as them as a tag team, somebody in she already has some history with in WWE. They don't need to go down the 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 dating route, but this this angle that 
is going on right now between Miro and CJ Perry over on Collision is really, really good. This is a Lana that, or excuse me, well, a CJ Perry that I can really get behind. Somebody who's got some substance to her other than I'm hot and I'm Russian. Yeah, she's hot and she's flexible and all this stuff. But Miro coming in and saying, you're my greatest temptation, but your biggest temptation is this business and I don't like how it changes you. And, you know, CJ Perry saying, hey, look, I don't care do I look like I need help right now? Do I look like I need saving? And he's like, not right now. She was like, look, you go do your thing. I'm going to go do mine. Just stay away from my clients. What I want is Miro to go on a war path. I want anybody who is seen talking to CJ Perry on collision over the next few weeks. I want them to get NXT parking lotted by Miro before they have a chance to sign on the dotted line. And then finally, somebody who's not afraid of Miro shows up in AEW. Oh, about, I don't know, 90 days from now when it's Nick alongside of his brother and they're there. And Man, we all know CJ like chocolate powerhouse Hobbs going to be our first client. They did say they, they like were going <laughs> to, they did like say chocolate. they were going to revisit that down the line, but she like chocolate. Yeah. yeah gotta get, gotta get Hobbs his win back against Miro anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But there, there's, a, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if, if Nick gets involved, Dolph Ziggler gets involved with, mm-hmm. with CJ and Miro, but uh, he seems tailor-made for a collision. I mean, it just seems like an absolute no-brainer. I think, I, I think there's, this is a great opportunity for a lot of these people. And like I said, I agree with you. I think Matt Riddle will be back sooner rather than later. One guy who's not going anywhere, Eddie Kingston. He had a great week. He wins the opening contest. On Grand Slam, Arthur Ashe, you were there. You got to experience it. Uh, That was a crowd that, had he lost that match, I think there would have been a literal riot. Uh, And thankfully, like the moment that we found out that Eddie was opening up the show, I knew he was winning because there's no way that Tony was going to let the rest of that show get hijacked by the New York crowd. So it kind of was like a a relief off the back there Mm -hmm. that that was opening up. And he was going to get his moment. SV3, before we talk about his extension, which he uh, announced this week, um, just being there for Eddie to finally get his moment, win the Ring of Honor World Championship, and what was a really great match with Claudio Castagnoli. You know, what was that like to be in there as part of that New York crowd and being behind their their hometown boy there? Uh, this was probably one of the best crowds I've ever been a part of for like a single match because it was just Eddie Kingston just felt so beloved. Like it was like a family member we were cheering for. And Eddie said it right in the post-match interview. When you are from New York, they fight for you. And it felt like those chants uh, during different moments when Claudio was beating them down and just how they work the matchup. They work the matchup like more of like an all Japan matchup with the hard strike. You had the physicality on the outside, and then you had the big moments. And I love the the final few moments where, uh, you know, Claudio used basically the European uppercut was kind of like his death nail. That's what he pulled out to kind of put people away, even Eddie back at all out. And Eddie just became immune to all the European uppercuts at the end to the point that the last one, he just completely no sells and gives him the last Urgen and then finishes him with the folding bomb, the, the old Kawada finisher. So love that, love the finish, love the moment, probably like the the biggest pop I've ever been a part of for a title change. And I felt like that 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 hometown love for somebody. I have never seen that as much as I seen it there. The only thing I can compare it to as far as in a New York event is homicide winning the Ring of Honor World Championship back at Final Battle 2006, which was my first Ring of Honor and independent show I ever went to. So it was great to be a part of that moment. I actually talked to Eddie back at uh, All Out Weekend during StarCast in Chicago, and he said, he was like, as long as, because we told him we're from New York, me and my boy, and we was like, yeah, we had to sh- show love to you. He was like, as long as I get love in New York, i always be good. And that's <laughs> that having that moment there, like, just made that even special, remembering what he said to us. Yeah, man. Um, Eddie's somebody that we don't talk about on this show as nearly as much as we should. Um, because this man might be the best promo in wrestling. Like that promo that he cut ahead of Grand Slam uh, on Collision, uh, what, 10 days ago, where like he walks back to the camera and he's like, what do you want me to say? And it just, he just goes on this, this great 
this just ap- like absolutely epic rant about where he came from and why it's so important to him and what he's going to do to Claudio and why it's so personal to him. It all felt off the cuff. It felt so real. And when he starts dropping F-bombs on television, like you just, you believe him. He's, it's such a believable, real promo and you connect with the guy. There are certain people that just connect with the audience and it's not a skill that you can teach. And Eddie Kingston 100% is one of those guys. And the fact that he finally got his opportunity in AEW, again, another reason why this company is so, its existence alone is good, no matter how successful they are in the ratings and ticket sales. And we'll talk about some of that coming up here soon. But like, just the fact that this man got his chance to be on national television. And now he has signed a four-year contract extension, as he told ad-free shows, our, 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 our buddy Dominic D'Angelo this week. Uh, did it on the low, signed a four-year contract extension, and he's going to be sticking around for a while. And now he's the Ring of Honor World Champion, and he's the New Japan Strong Champion. He's going to be defending both titles at the same time uh, at, at WrestleDream uh, this coming Sunday. Like, you can't help but smile and be happy for the guy who is – a guy who had all world potential, but just never really seemed to live up to it for one reason or another, battling his own demons. And the fact that, you know, he's been able to battle those and he's here now, like you can't help, but be happy for the guy. And he's finally getting his moment. And I feel like AEW is really going to lean into him. And I know he's the ring of honor world champion right now, but this is a guy that AEW can put in any situation against any competitor. And he's going to do great. And he's, he's going to generate that reaction. And to the purists out there who think people need to look like Hulk Hogan to be a world champion, no, you don't. You don't. Eddie Eddie has disproven that. Like, Eddie, Samoa Joe, like, show the big boy some love out there, all right? We can brawl too, son. Like, let's go. I'm, I'm so happy that this happened. Uh, let's see. Seeing a lot of conversation in the chat here. First off, Steven saying that uh, Kingston versus Shibata at Wrestle Dream is going yes. to be a banger. Yes, Can't it wait. is. One, one, one million percent. Seeing a lot of conversation about Ricky Starks and Wardlow uh, as the possible next ones to jump to, to WWE. I think Wardlow seems like a no-brainer because he's not on TV right now. They're not... Like his booking has been very confusing, and the fact that they're not using him at all right now, and as far as we know, he's not hurt or injured or anything like that. It's very Jade Cargill esque about how the same way she uh, went out of the company where she took time off, she came back. I meant to say this last week, and I didn't. I give a lot of credit to Jade Cargill for coming back and putting Chris Statlander over. She did not need to do that, but she did it. She came back, she put Chris Statlander over, she took that asterisk away from her and the way that she won the TBS championship, and now Chris Statlander has got that seal, and she's moving forward. She didn't have to do that. I give her a lot of credit for coming back and wrestling that match. Um, But Ricky Starks is an interesting name, and I think that's a guy who is tailor-made also for the WWE system. I think that guy is an absolute rock star, and I know there are people um, who are getting impatient with how he is being booked. Even though he is getting booked better than he ever has been there are the, the impatience is real with Ricky Starks and getting the rocket strapped to his back. We'll talk about, I'll ask SP three, a big question once we get to the five count, but I did want to bring this up. I mentioned it earlier. USA network uh, is going to start airing Friday night Smackdown in 2024. So it's moving from Fox to the USA network, a $1.4 billion deal, which is both monumental and also, I guess, slightly disappointing in the fact that this is more money than they were getting with Fox, but they were expecting to get more money on the open market. Regardless, this is still $1.4 billion for a five-year deal. SB3, this is one that I think makes a ton of sense in the fact that, one, especially with Raw and NXT still up for negotiation, USA Network, Warner Brothers Discovery, they, they're locked in for five more years. They were able to bring SmackDown over. Right. And they are going to be able to stay in the WWE family for the next five years. And they could still end up with everything if they can strike a deal for both Raw and NXT. Although conflicting reports, it sounds like Raw and NXT might be going elsewhere. Maybe Fox is in the running. I don't know. As I, what did I do? I just, sh- okay, sorry. I knocked, I knocked my lamp over and I just hit random <laughs> buttons and all of a sudden I couldn't hear myself anymore. Uh, but we, we're, we're cool now. But, um, 
it's going to be interesting to see where Raw and NXT end up going. I think this is a good deal for WWE. They may lose some ratings because uh, not as many households have USA as they do Fox, but they're still getting $1.4 billion. It's hard to feel like this is a loss at all. But the interesting part about this, Monday Night Raw, NXT, they could go to Amazon. They could go to ESPN. There's a lot of different options, but there's also Rumblings SP3. That Raw, for the first time in decades, could be moving off of Monday nights to another night of the week. Could you imagine, SP3, Wednesday Night Raw going head-to-head with AEW Dynamite? I would be here for the chaos, and as an agent of chaos, SP3, I know you would be here for it as well. Thumbs up for chaos. Uh, I'm here for chaos and pettiness, and that would be a little bit of both. So, <laughs> be here for that. Uh, no Monday Night Raw is not moving off of Mondays, guys. I'm just letting you know. Like, I'm, 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 I'm gonna be real with you. You know, it always, it always is nice to have content and and have open ended stuff, but you don't have to worry. It's not gonna move off of Mondays unless WWE is completely forced. Uh, well, we can look at the figure from uh, from our perspective. Yeah, of course, 1.4 billion dollars looks great, but from WWE's perspective, this is a disappointment. This is not what they wanted. They wanted a lot more money. They wanted in the two billion, close to the two billion range. So go in and go in a little bit lower than that. If you're rounded off, it's really just one billion, one billion dollars. That's a little bit of a disappointment for them. Uh, I think that is why they're going to open up the negotiations to a couple of more spots as far as Raw and NXT because they're looking to get some more money from a different company because that's what they were looking for in 2019 while they had SmackDown move over to Fox. That yeah. is why they did that then. This is why they're, they're, the negotiations is still open for Raw and NXT and they didn't just outright just put everything on USA Network even though I kind of feel like that is what's going to happen in the end. Like Everything's going to just be on the USA Network because USA say and nbc universal values wwe a little bit more than every other place will at this point it's gonna be interesting to see how everything shakes out we appreciate everybody who is uh in the chat and chiming along thank you guys so much uh we love all the support if you could go ahead and give us a thumbs up on this video we would greatly appreciate that that little click really helps drive up our audience number two uh if you're new to the show you like what you hear please hit that subscribe button uh, as we continue to to grow our subs- subscriber count uh, every single week. Uh, if you missed it, I dropped a conversation with Chelsea Green uh, not too long ago. That's available now right here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling uh, podcast channel. So make sure to check that out. Chelsea's awesome. Um, she I didn't get to watch Monday Night Raw last night, by the way, which is why we're not talking a whole lot about it. Uh, I was covering the Monday Night Football game. But Chelsea Green on Twitter was hilarious last night because for whatever reason she wasn't booked for the show but she's great i love her it was a great conversation make sure to check that out i'd appreciate that uh also follow me on twitter by the way at rick uccino follow him while you're on there uh at true heel sp3 as you see on the screen uh no e for those who are listening on the podcast in the word true it's t-r-u-h-e-e-l-s-p-3 uh but if you follow me on twitter later this week i will be releasing a conversation that i had with Ilya dragonoff before I got my happy ass out of here to drive down to Paycor Stadium last night, um, I'm just double dipping everywhere. But that's going to be released ahead of uh, NXT No Mercy this weekend, which we're going to talk about coming up here in just a few seconds as we get into this. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. It is a pay-per-view weekend, SP3. Yes, No Mercy is this Saturday, but this Sunday... Live from Seattle, Washington, in a venue that seats 18,000 people, there will be AEW Wrestle Dream. And, man, um, I hate the fact that we have to, con- like, this is continuously in the news, but only about 5,000 seats or so have been sold for AEW Wrestle Dream at the uh, last count that I had checked. And they were only setting it up for about seven or 8,000 or so. Um, but man, you start seeing headlines like AEW about to put on the lowest attended pay-per-view of this, that, and the other thing. However, these clickbait sites want to spin it, SP3. But considering where ticket sales have been for some of these events recently, how they had to have a big full-on media push to get the, to the kind of numbers that they wanted at Arthur Ashe for Grand Slam, is should this be a little concerning with the lack of movement for, for Wrestle Dream that's going to be headlined by 
Washington's own Brian Danielson in a match against Zack Sabre Jr. that wrestling hardcore fans have been wanting to see. For that, that, That's a dream match for a lot of people. This is a good card that they set up for Sunday. It's still not moving tickets, though. Interesting. Um, I think it comes down to AEW, if not learning from the lesson that they should have learned with Grand Slam, is that they have to do more local promotion. The local promotion was the thing that got them over that 10,000 mark for AEW Grand Slam, or close to 11,000, apparently, for AEW Grand Slam, when it was looking like they were going to have like 7,000 a week out when we were doing this show. When we were doing the show a week ago, they were at like 8,000, and they got like three thousand in 24 hours so they need that push and they have the people to do it you have seattle washington's own brian danielson you mm-hmm. have seattle natives in in darby allen and nick wayne and swerve strickland you need to once thursday one aew dynamite goes you send their asses out to seattle <laughs> and you have them push thursday friday saturday you have them be on all the local news affiliates and you have them push you learn your lesson and you do it again and you try to get to a number that's a little bit more suitable i think that if you're in an 18,000 seat arena you got to get close to that 10,000 mark but it doesn't even seem like they're going to get to the 6,000 mark so i think as long as they could sell the tickets that they have distributed or put out there the 7,000 i think that's what they're looking for here so they're going to need that that late push locally yeah, they did no advertising ahead of the Cincinnati Dynamite, like none, like maybe a couple of TV spots, which was mind boggling to me because they did so much advertising ahead of the October 2022 show, the one where Hangman Adam Page got the concussion. And they did almost three times as much tickets for that show as they ended up doing a couple of weeks back here in Cincinnati, where they were at like 1800 and they ended up like giving away like i got an email saying hey we got we got tickets you can just go like you can just go to the show and i'm like hey i would go but it's my anniversary you know like i I can't go i'm sorry but like i had multiple opportunities to just grab free tickets because they just wanted to fill out the venue because they did no advertising and they didn't really even do that much media like renee paquette did one interview with local 12 and moxley did one interview with me which you can hear, by the way, here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel as well. That's that's up there right now. But like that's it. That's all they did. And yeah, you got 2,400 people into, into Heritage Bank Center because of it. Get back to the grassroots. Get back to what made you successful. Focus on that. That's They need to start doing that moving forward. Now, SP3, one guy who's not booked for this card on Sunday is Absolute Ricky Starks. Now, he is on the... Honestly, his best push, his best booking string in in AEW. I mean, as soon as Collision launched, he gets he gets put into the mix with CM Punk, and he was going to have that big match with him, main event match at All Out in Chicago. Okay, that ended up not happening, but that means he got the feud with the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and he got put into one of the greatest strap matches of all time, if not the greatest strap match of all time, a match that Brian Danielson said Ricky Stark was able to show how big of a star he is. Brian Danielson said Ricky Starks carried him to the finish line in that match. Then the following week on Collision, he beats Brian Danielson, and then he's in a Texas death match, which was like the PG version of a Texas death match that I've ever seen in my life. But still, they pulled it off, and it was great. I don't know how you how's that a PG version with Brian Danielson bleeding and then stomping <laughs> Ricky Stark's head into a steel chair to the point Ricky comes up bleeding from the mouth at that finish. I don't know how that's PG. Maybe PG 13. I've seen out a barbed wire. No, no, you're you're comparing it to just AEW. You want to see a PG Texas death match? Check out WWE. Like that's PG with their no DQ and false count anywhere matches. That's PG. That is not PG. That's PG compared to Moxley stabbing Hangman in the head with a fork, maybe. But that's still that's still PG thirteen. That man treated his head like a baked potato when he did that. But regardless, Ricky Starks loses that matchup. And he and- stomped, he was, Brian stomped Ricky's head like it was a cockroach. <laughs> um, so it it was it was a, like said, more mild compared to a John Moxley Texas death match, right? So yes, c- c- comparatively speaking to other Texas death matches, it was a little bit more on the milder side. But still, it was fantastic. Ricky Starks did a lot of great things in that match to protect. Brian Danielson, who was obviously just 
Look, look, they're trying to get him to the finish line because they want him to go balls out with Zack Sabre Jr. on Sunday, right? He was not, they were not going to miss this. That match was not going to be denied this Sunday, for sure. They were not going to take any major risks with this match. Ricky Starks, again, a great performance there, but he ends up losing SP3. He's not on the Wrestle Dream card this weekend, and I'm doing the post-collision show on Fightful, and my, my lovely co-hosts, Cresta and Iridian, both Ricky Starks, purists, fans, they want the best for him. They are growing impatient waiting for that rocket to be strapped to his back, waiting for him to win some championships and, and be presented as the top babyface, the top guy in AEW. Is, is patience a virtue here when it comes to Ricky Starks? Do we feel like it's it's coming? Like, similar to an LA Knight situation, like patience is the key here? Or do you think maybe he might not, not ever be that guy in AEW? I feel like two guys that are in the kind of the similar situation is Swerve Strickland and Ricky Starks, where yeah. they are both uh, very much over heels to the point that they're so over that they, some people would argue that they're not really heels. They're too popular to be heels. And also with the booking that they get, they nine times out of 10 lose all their feuds because they are heels. And because this is AEW where the baby faces always come out on top. And I think that yes for patience is a virtue because of how you have to look at the booking signs the booking signs were pointing towards ricky ending this whole thing with brian after the sexist death match and then smoothly transitioning into feuding with fellow blackpool combat club member john moxley yeah i think it was moxley and starks was the original idea for the next international title feud i say that if regardless of how long moxley is out you skip the middleman and you make that a feud when Ricky becomes the international champion. I don't think Ray Phoenix is the plan. I don't think Ray Phoenix having the title for long is the plan. No. You put that title on Ricky Sarks because he needs a big win. He needs a title win. The international championship is still viewed as the second tier, the second biggest title in this promotion. Put that on him and let him flourish. Yeah, it's one thing to say, okay, does, you, you, he needs to be a champion. Great, I agree. What title? You're not taking the TNT title off of Christian, who literally just won it officially for the first time on Saturday, right? So you're not, you're not fucking whatever Christian you're doing with Christian right now. You just put the Ring of Honor World title on, on Eddie Kingston, in which case Ricky needs a title in AEW anyway. You got enough AEW talent who are holding Ring of Honor titles anyway at this point. Uh he was already Max's first, you know, big opponent when Max first wanted to go back to him at some point. I don't think they're ready to take the title off of MJF anytime soon. The only title that's left that makes sense is that international championship. And unfortunately, there was a bump in the road with Moxley getting a concussion this past Wednesday and him calling an audible in the ring. Although the referee sure as hell didn't pick up on it until it was too damn late. Um, but Ray Phoenix wins the, TN the, the international championship off of John Moxley. I agree with you. I think if Mox is not going to be able to come back within the next week or two and win the belt back immediately, yeah, have Ricky beat Ray for it and then just transition right into him and, and Moxley. Because I think Ricky winning it off of John was the play to make here. I agree. Patience is a virtue here. I don't know what Ricky's contract situation is, and I know everybody points to a Ricky Starks as a guy who should go over to WWE or may go to WWE next. But don't know what his contract situation is. I get the, I get the, I get the like correlation. Oh, he's great friends with Cody Rhodes, and he would be great. I, I, I'm, I'm just thing. letting everybody know we're gonna have the same conversation when he's in WWE. We're gonna have the <laughs> same conversation of, oh, patience is a virtue. Oh, they haven't done anything. They haven't pushed him in the main event. See, we would be going through the same conversation. That's why I don't understand people are like, no, he should definitely go to WWE. Oh, you're next. Oh, you're next to go over there. I'm just like. Where where's there room for Ricky Starks to to get this main event push that y'all want him to have in AEW and WWE? Like, is he is he right now? You put him in W you put him in WWE. Is he gonna be viewed and booked better than Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, uh, the Judgment Day, all four members of those guys? Uh, what about Jey Uso? What about Jay Drew McIntyre? What about LA Knight? 
You yeah. want to, you want LA Knight to get a push? Why? And you want Ricky Stark to also get a push when he gets called over? Y'all don't make no push. sense. Y'all don't can't... make no sense. Yeah. Oh, by the way, don't forget that you have Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov. Don't forget Gunther and everything. Like you got There's all these a bunch of people in the NXT. Just can't. Tyler Bate was 19 years old when he got signed to WWE. This man's 25. <laughs> he got gray hairs in his beard now. And y'all talking about Ricky Starks at 32, 33 years old, going to come over here and get a big push? We can't even get a Montez. We can't even get a Montez Ford singles push. Come the hell I on. Really, y'all really don't think about what y'all act for. Like, uh, that's what I'm convinced. Wrestling fans don't think what they ask for. They just ask for it and don't think of what's going to happen after. And then what? That, that's the theme of this show over the last couple of months. That wrestling fans don't think about the and then what? No, they think about the moment and they want their favorites to do well. And I appreciate that. And I respect that. Number three here is we got to go rapid fire. Cause I know you got a heart out here. Um, LA Knight badly was missed in that main event segment on Friday night, SmackDown. Uh, it, it just drug on and on and on as they just, the bloodline beat John Cena into a bloody pulp pretty much. Um, we found out not long after he tested positive for COVID-19, don't know when he's going to be able to come back. Hopefully it's soon. But last night on Monday Night Raw, they announced that John Cena is going to be facing the bloodline in a handicap match. Do you think that is the plan that they're going to stick with if LA Knight cannot get cleared in time to uh, face uh, Jimmy and Solo at Fastlane in Indianapolis? Yes. They don't need to put in anybody because if the end goal is supposed to be the bloodline winning, it does not matter who Cena's partner is. So you could do the Cena handicap match. And then it's more believable that the bloodline should win that. Sure. And you give Jimmy Uso a big win because if anyone desperately needs a big win in this bloodline storyline, it is Jimmy Uso. Yeah, 100%. I say you go forward with the, uh, with the handicap match, uh, especially if the bloodline is supposed to win now if this is supposed to be a way to put la night over have him win and then roman comes back and then that's how you start the la night roman reigns build up to royal rumble or wherever you're going to do that yeah i i guess you got to wait and do it at a different time this sucked this is like the worst possible timing for something like this for la night so hopefully he gets cleared and, and he can come back but i say yeah you go ahead with the uh you go ahead with the handicap match because you already sent out. You already sent out AJ Styles. He already yeah, got AJ Styles. Man, I've seen people come back the next week from bigger <laughs> attacks. AJ, if they want Cena's team to win, AJ Styles can come back this week if LA Knight is not cleared. But like I said, if the if the goal is Jimmy Uso gets the win, then yeah, keep it as a handicap match. Whose title run is more at risk this Saturday at No Mercy? Carmelo Hayes or Becky Lynch's? Carmelo Hayes by far. This is the second match with Ilya Dragunov. Ilya Dragunov has been built up to be the guy that can be the heir apparent to Carmelo Hayes. I would I would hate to see Carmelo Hayes reign end here because I don't see he's another guy who's on NXT who's ready to be called up, but I don't see like the 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 immediate thing for him to do on the main roster other than joining up with street business which yeah, would be cool that would be you, that would you, be you took the words right out of my mouth because like what we saw on friday makes me think that dawkins is going to get the boot from street business at some point they'll split up the street profits they'll start la they'll start montez's like i i'd rather them just have carmelo join up with street business you have a tag team you have someone that can go for the the top title you got someone who could go for the u.s title yeah. on smackdown that i feel like that would be the best thing i feel like i hope the story with the street business is they eventually do go come over to bobby lashley's way of thinking and they can stick together but mm. yeah i i do have the same fear you do that they're just gonna dump Dawkins. Yeah, well, Dawkins is, would make a great baby. Like Dawkins makes he's such a likable guy, and he's so goofy. Like I know Montez is too, but I buy Montez more as a heel than I do Dawkins. Um, I I feel like I don't know. I don't buy into as much with Dawkins as a, as a serious bloodthirsty heel because he is such a a, a goof and a, he's a lovable guy like he really is and, so and honestly i think i think melo is more at risk and i am probably going to predict that uh ilio dragonoff gets the win because i feel like he needs it yeah. but like either either one of these guys could go to the main roster at any point i just know that carmelo hayes he probably won't go immediately to the main roster even if he does lose the title on saturday because they are been teasing heavily he's going to do something with trick williams as far as a feud 
Yeah, and I would think they'll run this one back too. They'll they'll get three three matches out of these guys for sure. Uh, also, I think they tipped their hand last night with the whole Tegan Knox Becky Lynch. Yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean that. Uh, yeah, Be- Becky's winning. Becky's winning. I mean, games. it was it was it was not going to happen anyway. But they just made it quite obvious that yeah, very extremely Knox. obvious. Unless you're going to like make Becky and Tegan like a tag team or something, which I, I don't know. Anywho, regardless, great seeing Tegan be a part of raw i want to watch that i need to go back and watch that lastly i'm driving to the stadium last night sp3 and my phone starts blowing up how the fuck is stars gonna cancel heels after two seasons with that damn cliffhanger no i want i want i want to screw me over with glow and now heels ain't getting a, a, a season three what are we doing it's been a tough week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god! Because you know, I lost winning time. The Laker Dynasty show. They canceled that. Then, yes, they canceled that too. Oh. Right? They canceled. They canceled that, and they ended it in the 1984 NBA Finals, where we lost to the Boston Celtics. So we never get to beat the Celtics in the winning time universe. Magic Johnson. The whole Laker dynasty ends with Boston winning in 1984. What? And then you want to make things worse? How about stars, heels with one of the greatest season finales you will ever see that was so compelling that left you on a cliffhanger ridiculously because you don't know what's going to happen next. They kind of foreshadowed that, yeah, the, the streaming company wants Gully and Jack to work together for their wrestling promotion, but still Gully has his whole lawsuit against Jack and FWD was supposed to win against DWL and you had Jack representing FWD, but Jack decided to do a goddamn shooting star press and now he's paralyzed forever. We don't even know. <laughs> It's all in your fault. If you didn't watch Heels, shame. Shame on all of you. All of, It's all your fault and Jeremy Lambert's fault. Yes, Jeremy. Not just, it's not, yeah, I'm blaming Jeremy Lambert. He's the editor, director of content for Fightful. It's all his fault. Yes, he got it canceled. Damn you, Jeremy Lambert. That show is so fucking good. Like, how how they were able, like, Mike, I'm, I'm so, I'm so mad about this. Like, I would never see another Wild Bill promo class. Oh, my God. Wild Bill promo class was the highlight of every episode. I mean, the SB3, the writing on this show was spectacular. Like, they were able to write so many storylines and not even story like storylines for the wrestling business that are like part of the wrestling show and part of the DWL, but also all these other, all this other compelling shit that's going on with so many different characters, this all the way down to the secondary character. I, I got to, I had the privilege of talking to several of the cast members ahead of this season. I got to watch this season well in advance and I was, I ate it up. I got to binge watch it because I was one of the lucky few who did that. And I ate every single one of those episodes up. Michael Malley's a damn genius as a showrunner, and you you end it like how and why this is bullshit. Somebody has got to step up and save this show. Whether it's HBO, whether it's it's Amazon, somebody, Netflix, CW, somebody needs to pick this show up because I need to know if Jack can walk. God damn it. (laughs) I need to know if the condemned ever won the DWL World Championship. I need to know if Rooster is still with the FWD, if Crystal's going to turn on DWL and go to FWD, if Willie's going to go to FWD. I need to know all of it. I think they're going to be on the streaming company. If that scumbag from the streaming company is going to try to fuck Stacey Spade, I need to know everything. If, if Mama Spade will ever smile again, like she hasn't <laughs> smiled for two seasons, we'll never know. Hulu, pick, pick one. Peacock, Hulu. I don't give a fuck. Like, seriously, like the writer's strike ends and then they're like, oh, by the way, we're canceling all of these shows. And that's what fucked them. That's what fucked them is this writer's strike and this actor strike happened as this show was 
going on, so no, so one, no could one could it. promote it. No one could no promote, one could promote it. it. Like the only people who promoted it were the wrestling websites because we got to do the the, the media junket. Normal people don't want, don't read wrestling shit. No, they, <laughs> they read don't. variety. They read TV guys. TV guys still think I don't know what normal people read. I don't know. Oh, what thing. you got going on the True Hill Heat this week? Check out the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. You know what? We were just going to do it for Patreon, but now that it's canceled, we're going to put it on the channel. We're doing a Heels Season 2 review. We did a Patreon eulogy. review for for Season 1, so we're going to do a review for Season 2 and a eulogy <laughs> for the fact that we will never know what happened to Jack Spade's legs. We'll never know if that man walked again. Never know. Never know. You, you, normally, your daddy's right. Just, just listen to your daddy. Listen to your daddy. Yo, that that joint almost had me in tears when when when, when the spirit of Tom was. I told you, Jack. Way to go! I was like, oh shit! Oh shit! They added that too. Oh damn! Oh damn! That was one of the best season finales I ever. Because I'm just like, okay, why are they showing us this? Why are they showing? And it's and it's funny because it's also a full circle to the very first episode of Heels because I I rewatched season one this week because I was like I was like loving I love season two so much I had started watching season one again and then that news came out yesterday and I just finished season one I was just like God damn but it's a foreshadow to the first episode because when Jack uh, the first episode of season two actually because they showed the first match Jack and Ace had when he act, he kept asking him can I go to the top rope can I go to the top rope and, and Jack was like no don't do it don't do it but he eventually did it so I was yeah. like oh they brought it all together even in that way and they the writing on the show is brilliant it's absolutely brilliant like y'all need to start streaming this watching this and start tweeting somebody needs to save this damn show it's too damn good yeah you wild in frantic world power power spin all series is not is not in trouble 50 will kill somebody if they try to cancel <laughs> what it is so. this is 50 said he gonna kill somebody if they try to cancel he ain't gonna cancel even one power spin off bmf they canceling any of fifty shows. Look at look at the, look at the a, a shock with a, br- a great point. Both CM Punk and Ricky Rabies are both free agents now. But how great was AJ Lee in this show, though? By the way, AJ Man, really good. Oh my really god! Like that's what made me tear up the most was just seeing her in the ring in any capacity whatsoever, just doing her skip and parading around and. Oh. Now nah, I tell you, nah, I tell you, uh, Wild Bill's promo class was making me tear up almost every week. Every week, Wild Bill, when he start on one of those monologues, I'll be like, oh, man, this show is awesome. <laughs> Somebody needs to step up and save this shit. Man, goddamn, such good time. Like, first, first you're not going to give me my, my, my ending to glow, and now you're cutting down heels before it even gets in its fucking prime. See, like, uh, I was watching Glow, like, season one. I was into it. And then season two, I, I, like, dropped off. And then by the time season three came out, I heard I already heard the rumors that it was about to be canceled. So I was like, do I even want to put myself through that emotional yeah, but trauma? But at first, it got, it got renewed for a season four. And then they said, nah, nah, we ain't doing it. Because they, they didn't want to do the – it was during the COVID shit. They were like, nah, we don't want to do all the co- – Freaking. Mm-hmm. Hashtag cancel stars. Hashtag cancel stars. Fuck stars. Fuck stars. I already canceled. We'll be back next Tuesday. Power's up. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great rest of your week, guys. This has been the uh, Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.